Welcome to the Month End the CPG Community Chat. The Month End will provide emerging CPG brands real-life knowledge into the accounting, finance, and operational worlds. Our guests will be key stakeholders from those same brands as well as other key contributors to the industry. All right, welcome to episode 35 of the Month End Podcast. Today we have Tom Burgess from SNP Interactive. How are you doing today, Tom? Hey, Brad. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Good. Excited to chat uh, a little more on the kind of marketing advertising spend today um, as, as it relates to kind of emerging CPG brands, who is our target audience. So before we get started, let's get a background of yourself as well as SNP Interactive and what you do for them and, and what you do for your customers. Yeah, so I, I, I'm excited about being here because I'm also a, a founding entrepreneur of four companies myself over the last 25 years. And all those companies have been focused on advertising and data and loyalty. Um, and I've even uh, secured some patents along the way, but basically on the innovative products that we've developed to support CPGs and re- retailers in the digital marketing and like consumer acquisition efforts. Um, I'm president of SNP uh, PMN. So this is a division of SNP Interactive where SNP Payments Media Network, and I'm uh, also an active board member and advisor to early stage companies. I, I focus prim- primarily in my background on product development, guerrilla marketing, uh, culture management, corporate development, all that stuff that you do as an entrepreneur, right? That's mm-hmm. that's what I've done. Um, awesome. SNP PMN, if you want me to keep going, I, I can Definitely. give you an idea. Keep going. Yep, keep going. Yeah. So SNP PMN is a performance-based advertising marketplace, and it, and it reaches more than 70 million shoppers, meaning that if you're a brand trying to drive sales, then we have eyeballs and we are able to target those eyeballs based on shopping history and geography and by retailer. So we have about 30 retailers where we work uh, directly with their data uh, and we are able to reach those consumers in a way that um, uh, we see them making purchases. So if a offer or an ad is is placed in front of those consumers, then we know when they bought the product. And the unique piece of SNP EMN is, and, that, and this goes along with Payments Media Network, is that we do this through banks. So we reach consumers, and this is unique, and this is new, through two of the top five banks currently, so Bank of America and PNC Bank, and hundreds of small banks. And we'll be launching in 24, 2024 with other top five banks. So, and what do I mean by that? We reach consumers when they're in their banking application. We all do it, right? We're all banking app users. And um, and the banks place these CPG level or SKU level offers in front of their consumers um, and their app users and their card holders so that uh, the consumer will use their card, right? So Bank of America putting an offer up for a product to be um, purchased via that card at, say, Albertsons or Kroger or Stop and Shop, depending on geographically where you are. So anyway, that's that's SNP PMN, and and um, and we work with uh, all different types of brands on making sure that we're reaching the audience they want to reach. So I'll pull up there. Is that good? That's a that's a great great start and a great background um, to kind of start the conversation. So from an aspect of uh, a CPG brand. Like I guess let's kind of go through the different phases, right? Of 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 an emerging brand versus a mid-sized to like an enterprise level brand. You guys have different offerings or solutions for those different company and entity sizes. 
Yeah. So, you know, when I look at any brand, when our team works with the brands, we assess what their goals are, what their budget is, who they want to reach, geography, et cetera, et cetera, right? You have shopper marketing dollars. You have national marketing dollars. Some smaller brands just simply say, I need to drive more sales. Um, Medium-sized brands will have a marketing team internally, and those enterprise brands will have maybe multiple agencies involved. So everybody's slightly different. And we try to package it up, like you said, you know, to fit the need. Um, the biggest need is making sure that they're getting the best bang for the buck, especially with the economy the way it is. So when a brand is saying, man, I got to spend marketing dollars, but I need that ROI. I need to be able to track, is it working for me? So that was over the 30 years of my career. I've always been involved in this advertising, as I mentioned a moment ago. But the hardest thing to do is know if your advertising is working. So in our SNP PMN model, we are tapping into the purchase data. So we know when a consumer makes a purchase. So for the smaller brands, we put together packages that allow them to pay us only when somebody makes the purchase. So we know that the consumer in our network saw the ad and we know when that consumer went to that particular store, if they want to target a particular store, and we know how much they paid. So you get all kinds of data. You know, it, it, taking SNP PMN out of it for a minute and just thinking about a, a startup or a early stage business that's trying to use their money the most efficient way possible. If you can use that money and uh, a model that guarantees you an ROI, uh, then you're in the best possible spend model, right? So, you know, I mean, you guys advise your clients uh, on how to spend your money, where what money you're spending is getting the best return on that spend. Um, that's what we focus on. We focus on giving back that data. And there's a whole bunch of other data that we yeah. get back. Gotcha, gotcha. That all makes sense. And, you know, if we look at uh, a lot of our kind of uh, folks in the, C- the CPG network that we collaborate and work with or our clients, the, they're selling, you know, via omni-channel, let's say, into retail stores, uh on, on the website, typically via Shopify and Amazon and Fair, maybe all these d- different resellers that exist, right? And in the past, um, let's say three, four years ago, when I think uh, uh, funding and cash was more prevalent in terms of uh, a small business raising money, um, a lot of times you'd see grow, uh, companies just grow top line very quickly. But then you look at basically their their Google ad spend, their you know that uh, Facebook ad spend, and, and it's just dollars and dollars and dollars. And there's really no direct correlation in terms of, uh, uh, you know, like, did, did that dollars actually go, go to a sale, right? I mean, clearly you can do a calculation and a metric, cost of require, uh, customer and those types of things that you can do with that. But really having um, that spend happening when a purchase happens, to me, is is more key and, and much more efficient in, in, in leveraging that cash model, especially, you know, in today's day and age, like you said, with the economy where it's at. So... From a from an aspect of a again a small brand leveraging something like a technology and and, and, a, and a product like yourself, how does that fit in with the traditional kind of I guess digital ad ad tech models and and and, and workflows that ha- have existed? Yeah, so I'll take off my my snip hat for a minute, right? And yep, I put yep. on a hat of I'm talking to another fellow entrepreneur that's launching something or is in the midst of um, branding something, and and. I'm a big believer. This is my view. You need to spend marketing dollars 
to position your brand, right? You need those uh, digital media, traditional Facebook, Google um, type of spend to just put your brand in front of the right eyeballs. So you get that corporate positioning and you get that product positioning. Key, 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 right? You also then need to add in that model that drives the consumer to make those purchases, right? That's So I think it's a blend personally. And when I'm talking to people, I don't just sit in there. And of course, it would help me greatly if I just said, oh, spend all your money on performance and come on over. We got 70 million people. And by the way, you can go to Ibotta and you can go to Fetch. Those They have you know audiences that are similar to ours, except you, you want to spread your spend, right? So you spend on your positioning, and yeah, that ROI is tough, man. It's it's not that kind of ROI that's directly tracked to your sales. It's tracked to the growth. Like you said, driving that top line, right? And if you're getting your brand out there and it's getting picked up and people are starting to get familiar with it, then they'll recognize it on shelf or online when they see it pass by them. That's key. Got to do it. Then you spend in the performance channels to actually drive sales. And now you can look at all of that together when you're looking at your bi your 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 dashboard if you will of metrics you're learning okay my media mix my spend uh, of my marketing dollars is driving x overall you got to mix them all together and and when you're going after say that particular retailer um maybe it's albertsons or kroger as we were saying earlier you know it might be um whatever retailer that you want to push your product through you need to look at what kind of marketing they're doing too and you have retail media networks now and so there's all this stuff that you can do but it it needs to be a mix that's that's what i say all the time and and it's proven out time and time again when you do a mix you feel better you see your numbers you can optimize. Maybe your marketing is, uh, you're coming into the end of a quarter. Maybe you have uh, an investor, a board meeting coming up, right? And and you need to drive up your numbers a bit. So go spend a little more money on the performance side, drive some sales up because that'll help. Your branding side, maybe it drops down a little bit and you put a little more dollars towards your spent, your, your performance side so you can drive more sales. You know, these are things that you got to do to mix it in. Mm-hmm. What um uh, what are some of your favorite kind of KPIs you look at you know to to track uh you know the the performance of you know what we're just talking about there? Yeah, so it's different for every brand, of course, depending on the audience that you want to reach. But um, KPIs, the the key one that everybody wants to know is ROAS or return on ad spend. All right, that's kind of the the mother of all e metrics. And you need the data in order to get that. So you need to know how much you're spending, of course. You need to know the audience you're reaching. How big is it? You need to then know, are they interacting? And that's kind of the first level. And then if you can get your true ROAS or return on ad spend, you know how many sales or what volume of sales did we drive? So you take your dollars that you spent, you compare it to the dollars that you made through the till or through sales, and then you come up with your return on ad spend metric. There are other key performance indicators that people want to have um, where it says, okay, if I'm selling in this geographic region, is it going well? But I've got to break into this geographic region. Now, is that going well? Or... 
how am I doing with this retailer? Because a brand will want to go, and this is one of these key metrics that becomes important as a brand is trying to secure a better relationship with a particular retailer. You want to drive sales through that retailer so you get more prominent placement in their stores or on their website. So those are metrics that you want to maybe influence, right? So you say, okay, I'm going to part, I'm going to particularly target the Albertsons, and I'm just picking a retailer here, the Albertsons audience, and I want to drive some sales there so that Albertsons look favorably on me so that I, as the brand, can go get better placement and have better negotiating uh, capability with that with that retailer. So these are all the things. I, I mean, and and you know, KPIs go. You know, they start off with what are your top KPIs, and then then they can. You know, there's a long list of other things that you want to track, of course. But typically, they're driven by what your overall your goals are, right? Yeah. If your goals are to drive sales, you're gonna you're gonna be driving uh, a, a, a you know a more heavy on the metrics of. How many people am I reaching? How many uh, sales have I actually transacted? What's my conversion rate? Those types mm-hmm. of things. Gotcha. That all makes sense. What uh, you know, since you're on the kind of the front lines of this data, like what is what, what are you seeing from a trend? Um, trends in the yeah. CPG space from a consumer standpoint. Yeah, great question. Perfect question. Um, so you know, we saw that obviously everybody knows that COVID change the behavior of people. The the key metric that happened there was loyalty kind of went out the window, right? Mm-hmm. People weren't so loyal to their specific brand because they were just looking to get product, right? So consumers like you and I, we all are, um, we might have drifted off of a brand that we would normally have bought and we started to try other things because maybe that store was an easier store to go to and they didn't have the brand that I was used to buying. So there's this current trend of brands trying to reinvent the loyalty metric, trying to get back to maybe win lapsed buyers or acquire new buyers that they wouldn't have been able to acquire easily before because they were so loyal to a competitive brand. Um, so these are metrics, or they should say, these are trends that we see right now, um, where we have retailers and brands partnering together to promote offers to do more of a um, uh, an acquisition style advertising as opposed to what they used to do, which was let's sell more to the existing customers. Right. So there's a big, big trend in recovering or taking advantage of that that complete almost wiped out loyalty program. So I think that's the key thing. It's, this is an opportunity, right? It's chaos. And, yep. and it's chaos, there's opportunity. Um, and, and so, and, and by the way, there's also uh, a a lot of new metrics uh, um, uh, that are available because of the data that's out there. Retailers didn't typically offer their data out. It was a... You know, golden goose, it was the treasure trove. They held on to it very tightly. But the trend of retail media networks that's growing incredibly fast um, has allowed CPGs or just any consumer brand, fast moving consumer brands um, to access or allows them access to new data, data they hadn't had before. And it can be used for targeting. It can be used because there's data is used 
and I'm sorry if I'm on a rant here, but this is kind of a unique position if you're thinking of what's available to me as a CPG, data really falls into three categories. Free marketing, so I can build an audience based on the kind of audience I want to reach. And guess what? The brands and the, and the retailers are working together now to build audiences. Then you use data during a campaign. So in-flight management or in-flight optimization. That's what it would be called, right? So now you're getting data in there and you're starting to see what's working and you optimize your campaign. Maybe you uh, change the copy in an ad or you move your ad to a different audience that's operating or performing better than the audiences that you had picked when you were setting it up pre-campaign. So that's, that's mid-campaign. And the third area is post-campaign analysis. And you're now taking all the data of all the stuff that happened and you're looking at it so you can understand what you might do next. You're also building out your ROI, you're building out your ROAS, and you're figuring out what we, you know, did we spend well? Did we do a good job here? And, it, and that is like a flywheel, and that just keeps going. And the brands that are doing it well are spending time on those different data points and recognizing how each one's different. You mm -hmm. can, you know, you can't do just one. You got you to gotta really focus on it. It's fascinating. Are we seeing more customers or excuse me, consumers like going back to physical retail stores um, since COVID? Because clearly, like I know you said, the habits have changed and, you know, my my household, my, my wife and I, I mean, we hardly ever go out, you know, physically anymore just because of the the just the convenience of everything. Right. But um, I'm wondering just as a, as a general like whole aspect of society, is there any data that you've seen or trends that you've seen just on how consumers shop these days? Yeah. So I, I, you're right. We all do that. I mean, I'm, I walked downstairs the other day and uh, you know, sitting out in front porch was a Walmart bag. I yeah. didn't even see the person drop it off. Right. You know, my wife was like, and I, and I come in with the bag and I say to my wife, you know, did you do this? What's this? Is this right? And you yeah. know, it's funny. And she's like, I just wanted to test the Walmart delivery program. Right. And it, and it worked well. Um, but there's there's an interesting thing that the trends show, and I don't have specific. I would I do have data I could bring. I'm sorry I don't have it right here. Maybe we can post it later. But it it is uh, you know there was a complete spike of uh, ordering and delivery, and that whole category exploded. We all know it, right? That's come way way off, partly due to the fact that people like to shop. They like to get yep. out of the house. They like to walk the halls or the aisles of a store and see the products and pick what they want. People really enjoy grocery shopping. I mean, it's an interesting trend when you look at different categories of retail and what's happened. Grocery is obviously doing very, very well right now. Um, part of it's due to the fact that people are back on the street and getting out and doing things. Um, but there's a there's a trend in grocery also towards self-checkout, self-management as a consumer. And uh, and so it's making shopping in-store easier. Um, the retailers are honestly struggling a little bit with it because there's a little bit of fraud that's associated with this change. And they're, everybody's trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, but, but it's a lot easier now to walk into a store, walk through the aisles, pick up what you want, walk basically right out. You self-checkout and you walk out the door. So... All of these things combined, um, where you know the retailers are reacting as well to come on back to the store. We'll make it easy for you. So this is a trend that is interesting to watch. Um, 
I, I will add one more thing and say that the trend of lower cost retail chains and the growth, we see larger, call them stalwarts of the retail industry having struggles. Um, we all know Rite Aid right now going through a struggle. We see something like Dollar General growing like crazy, right? So you see this trend too. And, uh, and, and I think there's still data to be found on why that is. Um, it's, it's not that those uh, retailers are uh, appealing to an existing market that they've always appealed to. It's obviously spend shift or share of wallet shift where yeah. consumers are saying, I can get the same products because of what happened during COVID. I can get the same products I was getting at the fancy store. I can get it at the other store. So yeah. there's that type of change that's happening as well. It's uh, interesting in terms of your prior kind of statement a, a couple of minutes ago related to kind of like people just wanting to self-check out and just kind of walk the the, the halls and the aisles of the, the grocery store, but not be bugged and just handle everything themselves, basically kind of like they are literally checking out on their computer. So right. it's, it's very fascinating how, how, how that's working. It is, so, it, yeah, you, that's a really cool point you make, right? It, it, the easier the checkout the the more comfortable the consumer is in where they're shopping, right? Correct, correct. Because when they're on their computer, it's an easy checkout aspect or their phone, right? So like they want to have that mirrored the same experience as that when they go to, you know, physically to, to the retail store. So um, this is all great information. We're going to be wrapping up the, the the podcast here. We typically end with one, you know, CPG industry do and one CPG industry don't, you know, for the, for the listeners out there. But I don't even want to um, target kind of the CPG space here, like just because of your background in as an entrepreneur and multiple companies, I just, you know, uh, considering, let's say a brand new zero to $10 million startup company, right? What is just kind of one general do or recommendation that you, you, you'd say to a, a founder out there? Yeah. So this is a good one. Cause I, I have the benefit of having a, uh, CMO as a wife, who works with these size companies, right? So okay. her and I obviously talk about everything that goes on in our lives. And yeah. one of the biggest uh, and probably most impactful things that a smaller a smaller company, an emerging company can do today is leverage the data that's available. This was harder 10 years ago, right? But today the data that's available is amazing. And people tend to be, oh, I don't understand it. I don't know it. I don't, I don't, you know, I can't get into that. I can't learn because I'm so darn busy, right? It's worth it. If I had anything to say to any company at that stage, I'd say, spend the time, whether you do it, you have staff that does it, you work with an agency or um, a fractional service provider, which is outstanding, which is the trend. And if you're not working with fractional service providers, you're crazy um, because you get all the benefits um, with the lower cost, but you need to access that data. It will tell you it's like a, a coach, right? In the, in itself, it's a, it's telling you what you're doing well and what's not working for you. So I think take the time to look at the data that's available and set off campaigns and or marketing or other strategies. doesn't have to be all in sales and marketing, right? It can yeah. be data that's coming out of your own efficiencies. It can be your operational data. Um, and, and, and believe that data, like look at it, collect it, spend the time up front to make sure that whatever you're doing is being analyzed by the, the performance and the data, the data that you can get in through the, the transactional um, process, right? So once you're now 
And, and that then leads you to making the right decisions going forward. And on the flip side, what is one don't? <laughs> um, yeah, there's so many things on the don't too, right? So this is a tough one. I would say primarily if I had to speak towards the marketing, because that's been our theme on the discussion, yeah. Yeah. I would say um, don't, don't spend money on a whim. Don't spend money on uh, things that come up and they look like the next shiny, cool thing to do. Stand by your budget. Take your budget, analyze it if you do it annually first, and then you check in quarterly as you're, as you're moving along and adjust, but stick to a plan. There's this thing of entrepreneurs, it's our addiction, right? Yeah. We want we want to get it done, man. And I'm I'm one. I'm addicted to yeah. it, right? Makes two and of us. Honest, yeah. yeah, you know, right? Yeah. And that that shiny new thing comes along, and you're like, "That's it, man. That's going to change." It. And you gotta you gotta just pull yourself real reel yourself back in, look at it, analyze the opportunity, maybe put it in in two quarters if you can, mm -hmm. or the next year. Um, you know, it, it, but. Stick to your guns. It's that's probably the hardest thing to do is to stick to a budget, stick to a plan. I would agree with you uh, um, as an entrepreneur, and just from an uh, from an accounting standpoint, where where accountfully is, I've learned a ton just on the marketing side and, and the brand equity and kind of the consistency of content and, and moving forward. And you see it; it doesn't uh, just happen overnight or within a week where, where you, that's where you want it to be. Now it's like, Hey, over time, it'll get there and stick to a plan and, and, and implement that plan plan then assess it over a specific time period really helps. So I've, I've learned a lot just from that perspective and, and as well uh, as this chat with you, Tom. Well, um, I really appreciate the time, Tom. It was awesome. Um, I hope the listeners get a lot of information um, as we wrap up here. Um, where can people find you um, and, and snip and just kind of give them some other information on where to go. Yeah, Brad, it's been awesome. Been a great conversation. So I'm easy to find at tom.burgess at snip.com. So that's my email, tom.burgess, B-U-R-G-E-S-S -S, at snip.com. And snip.com is, is our website, obviously. So those are the places you can find me. Obviously, LinkedIn, too. Um, feel free to chase me down there. But um, yeah, I'm an addicted entrepreneur, addicted to all of this stuff. So uh, I'm an easy guy to find. Awesome. Well, uh, episode 35 of the Monk Bed Podcast, Tom Burgess from SNP Interactive. Thanks again, Tom. Yeah, thanks, Brad. It's great talking to you. Great chat with you.